0: Today, we are in part two of a series we started just last week called What's Next. We're talking about uh, our spiritual journey. We're talking about our spiritual growth. Uh, we're uh, going through four weeks in discovering one, who God is. We're discovering how we can find freedom. Uh, we're discovering what's next in this, these steps of our lives, of, of discovering purpose in our lives. And ultimately how we can use all of that to go into the world and to make a difference. Last week we started off with this discovering God and we talked about the importance of studying the word. And uh, I'm really excited to announce that this past, this actually this morning at 9 o'clock, we met with about 20 people here at Coastline uh, who started into a journey of of figuring out what their next steps are. And we did a a 9 a.m. Sunday school class, not anything we've ever done before. Took a little bit of sacrifice because it's tough to wake up and, uh, and show, up to er- show up to church earlier than the 10.30 start time. But 20 people showed up, which is a big deal. Uh, and we took our first steps in that. Today we're taking our next steps as we discover and go through talking about finding freedom. Specifically, I'm going to preach this morning the importance of confession and community. But I wanted to start this sermon off with something I've, in a way that I've never done before. I'm going to invite you to stand up all across this place, and I'm going to read from the Word of God in Psalms chapter 51. So go ahead and stand up where you are right now. We're going to all stand for the reading of the Word. You can read it on the screen if you want to, or if you want to pull out your, your phone, you can read it through the Bible app. We have it on there as a, as a live event. But it says this. It says, Have mercy on me, O God. Real quick, I'm going to give you some context. This is King David. After he went through uh, the mishap and sin of his life of, of, of going and having relations with Bathsheba, uh, after he, he committed murder in the killing of her husband, as he's coming back to God, trying to change and trying to address what happened, he writes this. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin." Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. If I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach you, or then, then I will teach your ways to the rebels and to and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. And you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look for favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you'll be pleased with sacrifice offered in the right spirit. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, Then the bulls will be sacrificed on your altar. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, as we get into this word, as we look about the importance of, of confession, we remember that you already know it all. You know everything that we want to hide from the people around us. You know the things that we try not to think of ourselves because of the the hurt that it brings and the shame that it brings. God, I pray today for healing in these areas. I pray that we would open our hearts to you, that we would not put up walls of defense. But today we connect our hearts to you, and we say you have your way above all else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You guys can grab a seat as you grab a seat. High five your neighbor and say, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hey, middle school crew, I did not forget about you. I know you got a little bit nervous as the pastor starts reading from the word. You thought, I'm in here for the long haul. I'm going to dismiss you now, Uh, middle school students. You guys are going to make your way uh, to your class uh, and get, uh, get started on your study. Today, uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, this idea of confession when it comes to our relationship with God and with one another. It's, it's, kind, of a, uh, it's kind of a tense subject, you know, because it's one of these things that the church, we as a church, I don't know if I've talked about it a whole lot at all, and it, it kind of is one of those things where it's like, it's kind of feels like we're poking at a wound, right? How many of you guys have been in a situation where, like, you knew you messed up, and people want to talk about it and you don't want to talk about it, right? I've been there, definitely for sure. Um, As I think about this, I'm reminded of the many times uh, before I became a pastor that I sat in uh, the, the pews or the seats, just like you are right now, and the pastor would talk about sin in our lives. And as soon as he would make eye contact with me, my brain went to, oh my gosh, he knows what I did last night, right? Or, oh, my gosh, he knows, he knows what I'm going through right this second. Who talked to him? Mom, did you talk to him? Right? You think, you think at some point, like, man, the, the Holy Spirit has conveyed to this man exactly what my weaknesses are. And I want to tell you from this stage, that's never happened to me, at least, not, at least not yet. You better watch out. I'm just kidding. Um, it's not happened. Uh, there's been a couple times people even from Coastline have come up and said, Brian, when you started talking about this, you looked right at me. And I will remind you that I'm, yes, I'm looking at you, but I also have like 8,000 million watts of lights in my eyes, and I promise you I will never call you out from this stage. This past week, as I uh, talked with my daughter uh, about uh, being careful of the things that we put before our eyes, as she was watching kids' YouTube, I told her, I said, you know I know what you've been watching, right? And she looked at me bright-eyed, she said, nope. Like, just so scared. I'm like, what, you gotta tell me what you've been watching. Let me know. I didn't, I didn't have the heart to tell her it's because I've got an app and I can look at, her, at her, whatever she's searched and her history and stuff like that, and you know, thankfully we're at nine years old. We're not worried about any, anything uh, major yet. But I feel like sometimes we come to church, and when we talk about sin, when we talk about the idea of confession, it's easy to, to have that knot in our, maybe our spirit, or that, that the twinge of pain come up. Where we're like, oh man, this is going to be uncomfortable. And I want to tell you that today, when, when, we're, when I'm preaching about this, I'm not directing specifically at you. I am directing it at us. Because as we're going to find out, this is, sin is not a problem with you. Sin is a problem with us as humanity. And I believe that there's some steps that we can go through that God will help us through as we continue to find healing through this issue of sin. And so for the next few minutes, and it's just going to be a few minutes, I want to challenge you to to push through the tension. I was talking with uh, uh, one of the the young men on our team today. I was talking about how sometimes there's importance when it comes to tension. You think about working out. When you when you're working out there's tension in lifting weights, there's tension in pushing the sled that you're pushing. But with the tension comes growth. I think back to being in high school and college, the tension I had before it came time to take a test and it was just so it was so hard the thing to to have to go through, but on the outside of it, on the back side of it there was growth that happened. I think the same thing will happen today as we push through the tension as we look internally and let the holy spirit let god show us the ways to deal with these matters that we have of the heart when it comes to this tension when it comes to sin itself i believe this is something that that not just you deal with this is something that that i deal with this is something that we deal with we talk about coastline church we talk about that we are a church filled with messy people but as we look through the bible we see many times in which god used Ordinary, messy people to do extraordinary things. And so I want to challenge you to push back even the thought that the the fact that you might have sin in your life or that there is sin in your life, that it keeps you from being able to live out God's purpose. I think God wants to show you a way to resolve it, show you a way to get reconnected to Him. But this is something that we all deal with. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So that means every single one of us. Look at, your, look at your neighbor and say, ooh, you messed up. Ooh, you messed up. I messed up, you messed up. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Since the beginning of creation, we look in, back in Genesis and even the original sin of, of Adam and Eve. We see that there was something that, that created separation, the disobedience, the step out of a relationship with just them and him as they pursued something else. It created the separation of sin. And we see that when it comes to the sin in our lives, there's two major thoughts in how to resolve this. There's an Old Testament way of thinking and there's a New Testament way of thinking. There's, a, there's an Old Testament system and a New Testament system. In the Old Testament system, what we see, the way to deal with it, as we looked into Psalm 51, we hear King David talk about the importance of sacrifice. He acknowledges even that at some point he messed up so much that he recognizes that God doesn't even want to see his sacrifice from him, that he wants something else. So in the Old Testament, what they would do is if there was sin in your life at some point in, a point in time in the year, you would go and, and pay the price for a lamb or something that was of purity. And that lamb or that, that sacrifice would have to lose its life. You would have to offer it to God, and that sacrifice would, would take over the payment for your sin and would allow you to be right and one with God again. Well, obviously, throughout time, we see through history that, that God says, like, this is not a perfect system, that, there, that there's a better way. And so He sends Jesus, and Jesus comes to there. He lives a sinless life. And as, a, as as the one that is sinless, without spot or without shame, without sin, He takes the place for that sacrifice for us. And so in the New Testament, it no longer is about creating or finding a sacrifice that we have to sacrifice before the Lord to to come back to him because of our sin. We find out that that sacrifice has already been done with through what Jesus did on the cross. In Romans chapter 3 verse 24 it says this. It says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin." People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Then, or This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. For he, has, uh, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So here Romans communicates that no longer is it about that you have to go and make a sacrifice for the sin that you've committed, for the things that you've done in your past that that hold shame in you, for the things that would have separated you from the perfect will of God. You don't have to sacrifice anymore because Jesus has already done it. And the way that we connect through that is by believing in him, believing that he was the sacrifice. And so today, for this message, I only have two points. When it comes to confession, I believe that there's two forms of confession, two things that we need to do in order to experience healing from the sin that that might be in our lives, the sin that we're dealing with. Maybe it's past sin. Maybe it's sin that you're dealing with even right now, today. I think there's two things that we can do. The first one is this, is confession through Christ, I believe that we got to believe that Jesus is the one intercess- uh, he's, he's intercessing for us. He is the one that is the sacrifice. We believe that we don't have to go out anymore and we have to, we have to sacrifice him. Then we have to believe that Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He is the light. He is the one that as we continue to pursue him, as we believe in him, as we confess even to him that we're able to experience healing. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 9 says this. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all weakness. So here specifically, John's talking about that there's a step that you need to go through in order to experience forgiveness. It's not just believe, you also have to confess. Now this is a tough thing because we live in a world now where, like what we said before, when it comes to things that make you feel weak or make you feel less, when it comes to past pains, we have a tendency to just try to skip over them. To act like it, like it didn't happen. We cut people out of our lives because of, of a past pain that, that it, it, it connects with us when we see them. When it comes to people in our, in, that are in authority over us, we don't want to talk about the things that, that we might have to, to face judgment over or the things that we might have to, to make right. Here, John is saying, no, Jesus wants you to talk to him about it. Now, how does that make any sense? Because if we're saying that that Jesus already knows everything that we've done, He knows every sin we've already committed. Why is it helpful for us to bring it back up to him? Why is it helpful for us to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is how I messed up? I think the reason why he wants us to is because he knows it'll help us. As we we confess our sins and bring it to him, I believe that there's healing that occurs in our spiritual man. I believe there's a step that allows us to continue to grow, to not to just skip over the tension, but to push through the tension of confession, to approach Jesus and say, Jesus, I know you've already died for this. I know that you've already paid the ultimate price. But we got to talk about what I've done and what I've gone through. And I need you to heal me and help me through it. Jesus, when he's communicating to his disciples the importance of prayer, he tells them this when, he comes to, when it comes to the, the Lord's Prayer. In Luke chapter four, or 11, verse 4, it says, And forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not lead, let us yield to temptation. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, he says, When it comes to you communicating to God, when it comes to you having this relationship with him, when it comes to you stepping in, growing that relationship, part of that prayer time that you should have is to spend time in humility, in transparency, in confession. Now, here's the tough thing with it. I love the fact that in that prior verse it says that, that God is faithful and just, and he's, I believe He's quick to forgive us of our sins. But what we don't comprehend in this is when, when the Bible says that God forgives us, it's to a point where, like, it never happened. It's to a point where we, 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 under, we should understand that if we ask God to forgive us, if we confess with our mouths the sin that we have committed, as we confess it and as we believe in him, it's as that sin never happened. The problem that we fault is we Remember. I think sometimes uh, one of the issues we have with humanity is not so much a sin issue as it's a memory issue. Because I don't know how many times we've gotten to the point where I've, I've asked God to forgive me of something I've done wrong. But then in my humanity later on, I'll remember it. And I'll let this, this feeling of shame come over me again. I think this goes back to what we talked about last week of the importance of remembering the word, of understanding and studying the Bible, and knowing that it says very clearly here that God is quick to forgive. That means it did not happen. It means that you don't have to live it out. And one thing for you to land on is is if God is quick to forgive, and if you confess and God has forgiven you for your sin, who are we to say that we cannot forgive ourselves? If we say the God of heaven and earth, the, God, the, the authority in all of the world and universe says he forgives us, and that's it. Man, for us to hold it against ourselves is like saying we are above him. So when it comes to confession, one of the things I believe that, that Jesus wants us to remember as we confess our sins to him is that there's healing that needs to happen inside of us. There's a part that that is, is therapeutic, to our spirit man. And yes, it might be painful at first, but much like it, it it comes to a doctor cleaning out a wound. Much like like they would they would use something to pull out the debris and to 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 bandage over to stitch up there's a little bit of pain that comes before the healing. But ultimately, it's the best way to heal. Some of us We've gotten to the point in our relationship or maybe maybe you're just stepping into a relationship and this idea of confession is, is very foreign and strange and, and sounds painful. I want to tell you that I believe that this is a great way to experience healing in your life. For, for others of us that have been in a relationship with God, maybe it's been a long time since you spent time confessing. Maybe it's been a long time and maybe you've, in your prayer life you just said, God, forgive me of all this that I've messed up in. Maybe it will be helpful to sit down and say, Jesus, let me take a minute and think. This is a sin that I have in my life. Show me the sin that I need to confess to you and help heal me from it. Jesus says when it comes to our prayer life, this is something that should be a part of it. And also not that we're just supposed to ask for forgiveness, but we are supposed to, to forgive those around us. Forgiving others, that's a, man, that's something I could preach on, a sermon on itself. It could probably be a series. But I land on the same thing every time I think about it, every time I study it. Is if I'm going to ask forgiveness from Jesus for what I've done, who am I to say I won't forgive the people that have sinned and messed up against me? Forgiveness is key. So the first thing you gotta remember is confession through Christ is the first step. The second step, I believe, when it comes to confession, is confession in community. Now this is this is a lot harder of a one because confession in community. It's it's one thing to to speak to God of the universe to come to Jesus and say this is how I've messed up because Jesus already knows about it. God already knows about it. He knows uh, what, are, what we're texting to other people. He knows when we told that person on I-4 that they're number one. You know what I'm saying? You know, come on now. This is, you ain't fooling nobody. If that's you, please do not put a Coastline sticker on the back of your car. I will find another church sticker that you can represent. It will be great. I'm just kidding. Jesus already knows what our search history is. He knows what we gossip to our girlfriend or our boyfriend about or whatever. He already knows all these things. But we live in a world where we care about what other people think about us. And it's one thing to tell, to tell Jesus because we ain't ever heard of Jesus telling any of our friends what we're dealing with. But it's another thing to talk to those that are close to us and confess to them what our mistakes are in James chapter 5 verse 16 you got to remember this is this is a book that was written by the half brother of half brother or step brother half brother half brother of every time i get it wrong erica takes me home and she's like baby i got to help you out half brother of jesus they had the same mother different fathers the half brother of jesus james who later on he declared that jesus his half brother was his lord and savior How many of you guys got siblings today? What would it take for your sibling to convince you that they were your Lord and Savior, right? I love my sister, but I know what she did. I know what happened back then. I was there. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this. He tells us, he said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has greater power and produces wonderful results. i got to be transparent with you for a second. Uh, all the way up until about uh, last night, uh, I was supposed to communicate today uh, widely about the importance of community, but in my study time when I, when I hit this verse, I could not help and I could not get off of the idea of confession in community. Every time I preach on community, I get up here, I talk about the importance of us. You know, the Bible says that, that the brand, uh, a braid of three strands is not easily broken. I use an illustration of how horses, when they come together, can pull times, sometimes three and four times what they could pull by themselves. I talk about the importance of team. I use a stupid illustration about mullet, about how they stick together, and uh, together they can survive, unless you're a commercial fisherman with a cast net, and then you're messed up. But never have I looked on the importance of this verse when it comes to community like I have this week. Cause here the half brother of Jesus says, Community is a place in which confession should happen. He says, if you confess your sins one to another and pray for each other, it says you will be healed. I was having a conversation about um, with one of our team this past week of deliverance. When it came up, they were talking about like deliverance of, of spirits in, in the Bible, in which Jesus delivered people. But when, when she said it, it my, my brain keyed into deliverance of, of sin. I even thought about times in my own, my own life in which, which I had asked Jesus to forgive me of sin but then had returned to it. There have been times where I said, Jesus, you know I keep messing up in this area. How, should, how, should, how, can I, how can I be healed of this? How can I be delivered? And I remembered in my mind, it was not until I talked about it with somebody else. It wasn't until I confessed it with my mouth to someone who I knew loved me and who I loved and said, hey man, this, I've got a problem in this area in my life. And that is when I experienced deliverance, when I confessed my sin to somebody else. Today, if you're at a place in life where you feel like you continue to return to your sin, if you you feel like you can't find deliverance from your sin, I want to challenge you to live out the words of what James says. He says, confess your sin to each other and you will experience healing. I think when it comes to community, it's incredibly important. One of the engines that drives Coastline is our action of connecting with one another. Every service we're going to spend time uh, during connection time, we're going to spend time in the the breezeway connecting, we're going to spend time beforehand connecting. Every small group that we have is going to spend time connecting and fellowshipping with one another. Part of even uh, when it comes to our, our crew, the people that serve each and every weekend here at Coastline, to make Coastline happen. As you, if, you, if you were to talk to them, you would hear that part of the reason why they do it is because they love so much connecting with one another and building community. The Bible says that community is important for sharpening at each other. It's, it's, it's important for encouraging one another, for bolstering one another up. But as I read this verse in James this past week, I realized there's also a portion that comes with healing. I think part of one of the things that we Part of the one things that we forget is in confession. We're not just supposed to confess to Jesus. We're supposed to confess to one another, and with that comes healing. Now I want to remind you that part of this, this confession to one another is done in a, a, a way that is themed in love. And so the person that is receiving it understands it's not to, something to be gossiped about. It's not for someone to throw in their face later on. But as you sit there in the position of love, of assuming the best, and hoping for the best for this person and praying for them and with it, with what they're going through. But I also think that's important for accountability. To go through something, to deal with something together, I believe will provide healing. It's not about passing judgment. Because we remember back, we're all messy. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. We're all in this adventure of life together. We all have experienced brokenness. Today my hope is that we all experience healing. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 says this. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. Gentiles was the word for anyone that was outside of, of the Hebrew faith. Someone that was not, had not grown up in the Jewish culture and faith. This would be us. It says, now you Gentiles are no longer stranger and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are a member of God's family. Together we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone in Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of, of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Part of our responsibility as followers of Christ is to be part of a church. And part of that church means that we are supposed to confess to one another. We are supposed to hear from one another. We're supposed to help one another with our shortcomings, with our faults, with our sins. We should pray for one another and find healing from all that ails all of us. The book that we based the series off of is called What's Next by a pastor named Chris Hodges. And if you ever, uh, if you got time to read it, it's a good read. Um, If reading's not your thing, I believe on uh, the Apple store or whatever it is, you can listen to the audio book. It's an easy listen. But in it, he communicated a great illustration I think I wanna share it with you. I think it rings true even from my own life. If I were to come up here to you today and ask for you to tell me the top five sermons you ever heard in your life, the top five sermons that changed your life forever, the majority of us would get up and we might be able to say one or, or two. Even myself, it, it, it might be tough for me to, to think of what were the five that just revolutionized my life. Don't get me wrong, I think sermons are incredibly important. I think you come in here on a Sunday and, and letting the Holy Spirit work through me or whoever's preaching from the stage to adjust us in that week, to challenge us through that week. I think each and every week we change for the better. But if I were to ask you, what are the top five sermons? I don't know if you'd be able to tell me what they are. But if I asked you to tell me to name five people in your life that have changed your world forever, you could probably do that. Many of us today uh, are the vocation that we're in because of someone in our life that changed our life forever, myself included. If it wasn't for a young man at the time named Mike Spivey who invited me into his home to eat a meal with his family and see what it looked like to live a life full of the peace of God, I wouldn't be here today. For some of you, that's a teacher. For some of you, it might be a pastor. For some of you, it might be a friend. We all have someone that has changed our life for the better and helped us through it. I want to challenge you and let you know that maybe that's what you're supposed to be to somebody else. Life is meant to be lived in community. I believe healing comes from community. And so today there's, there's only two things. First one is if there's sin in your life, if there's sin that you've not confessed in the past, take the time and you need to talk about, talk about it to Jesus. The second thing you need to understand is it's important for you to live life in community This church should be a community, and we should be able to help one another and confess to one another when we are struggling and having a tough time, when we have sin in our lives. And I believe that if we do that, we will experience healing that only comes from him. So whatever head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you want to start one, Maybe you say, Brian, I, I've got sin in my life. There's so many things I can think of that I'm, I'm ashamed of. There's things that I believe have separated me from God, and today I want to I experience closeness with him. I, wanna, I want all that to go away. Then maybe you repeat this prayer after me. Maybe you repeat it to yourself. Maybe it's something you say later. If you pray this prayer, I want you to tell someone about it, though. That's an important part. But if you want to start in a relationship with Jesus or if you want to reconnect in a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, you know all that I am and what I've done and every sin that I've ever committed. Today, I confess it all to you and ask you to forgive me and wash me pure as snow. Take away anything that would separate me from you and your plan for my life. I commit my life to you I declare that you are my own Lord and Savior. Show me what's next, and let me draw closer to you. Amen. Coastline, before we leave, let me, let me pray first. We're going to spend some time in worship here for a second, so don't leave yet. But let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that as we've heard your words, as we've heard from, from your brother, as if, as we've heard from what the heard from what the holy spirit told men to communicate to us i pray that we would be challenged to take our next steps in you that although this is a very humbling step it's a very transparent step it's something that that may cause short-term tension or even pain god i pray that we would be able to find healing through it from you And I thank you for what you're going to do. Jesus, have your way. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.